Corey Gleed, a clinical psychologist, and I specialize in evidence-based treatment for anxiety, depression, and stress. And I'm Anna White. I'm a former Wall Street executive. I experienced severe burnout at one point in my career, and I discovered that it had a lot to do with my type C personality. Anna and I are here to educate people about type C traits, which are being pathologically nice, putting the needs of others above yours, avoiding conflict, always saying yes, and worrying excessively about disappointing other people. On each episode, we'll share personal stories and also strategies for how to live in healthier ways and how to prevent burnout. Today, we're going to talk about time management and to-do lists. Type C people can have a lot of problems with being intentional and strategic with our time. What we really need to do is pay attention to how we're spending our time, even down to the hour, so that we can really think about what what we're doing. Are we doing too much for other people at work or home? Because if we are, then we're putting ourselves at risk of burnout or other health problems. It's all about improving the balance. This would mean sitting with guilt, right? Because when you take time to do things for yourself, like exercise or relax, you feel like you're not doing things for other people. So sitting with guilt, one of our strategies, super important here. Also making time to do things that are engaging and restorative. Things that you look forward to are so helpful for your mood, for feeling hopeful about the future, and they really help combat resentment and fatigue. Also, a willingness to make changes based on realizing the cost of focusing so much on everyone else in your life and hurting yourself mentally and physically. So we're going to get into some examples of all of this and some strategies. Okay, so we'll we'll start with an example from my professional life. So at work, I had a really, really hard time saying no to requests, and I had a lot of requests coming in. I had a wonderful boss. She was telling me to say no. She was saying I was being too accommodating. And I needed to set better boundaries, but I still really wanted to help people. And I, I kind of had that mindset of, I really want to, I want to help people and I want to, you know, do things for them. So I definitely wasn't being strategic enough with my time. There were things that I was doing that were not furthering my own career. They could either have not been done at all, or they could have been done by someone else. So just to kind of give you a little more context, I was in charge of communications effort for two investment firms and investors are constantly seeking reassurance. They can't get enough of it. There are a lot of ups and downs in the investment markets. And especially in the downtimes, investors really need a lot of handholding. They want to know what to do. Do I buy? Do I sell? You know, do I buy more? Do I, what do I do? So my mindset was always, I want to give exceptional service to them. I want to make sure that they feel heard and that they were giving them great advice and guidance. But as a typical type C, I overdid it. And when you feed the beast too much, then the beast expects to be constantly fed. And it's really, really hard to dial that back. And I would also just reiterate again that I was being given full support by my boss to say no more, and I still didn't do it. But I think we have to acknowledge that it can be really, really hard to say no at work, especially to an end client or an end customer. The landscape is really competitive. You worry a lot about clients leaving and going elsewhere. There's a lot of pressure. And as a type C, you really want to please them and you really want to take good care of them. So let's just talk about this a little bit and talk about, you know, what could I have done differently? Well, I just first want to just acknowledge that this is a very common problem. I have talked to a lot of patients who really struggle with this because when you are so thoughtful and do so much for everyone else at work in lots of areas of your life, you get so much praise and reinforcement. And so it makes you feel good. It makes you feel valued and appreciated. So it can be very, very hard to not continue 
continue that behavior. <laughs> um, so I really love this woman. Her name is Laura Vanderkam, and she has written many books. Um, and she wrote this great article for the New York Times that Anna and I reference on our website. But she has this idea, which you know, I think goes very well with the, what we're trying to talk about is really noticing what are you doing with your time? She suggests actually spending about three days where you keep a log and you write down pretty much what you're doing every hour. And the idea is to be more aware because ultimately I think we can really get angry and resentful in the long term when we end up doing so much for other people and we're not really aware of what we're doing we're not making the choices that are actually in line with either furthering your career or if you need to be focusing more on slowing down or self-care and so her her point really is to try to really in a very um minutiae yes yeah way pay attention to what you're doing so then you can notice like oh wow like that wasn't really my intention Right. The other thing I think that's really important to think about is, um, can you ask someone to do something for you? Can you delegate? So this obviously creates guilt for the type C person. You don't want to upset someone or burden someone in any way. But ultimately, it's a really important strategy to think about whether, you know, giving someone else some work to do gives them an opportunity to grow. They will be learning something, but it's also part of your job, probably. And so you want to show supervisors and other people that you work with that you can do this. You can delegate. And I think one thing that would have helped me, uh, you know, in terms of just sitting with guilt and looking at my time and trying to figure out, you know, how to spend it better. You know, some of the questions could be that you ask yourself, or is this, is this helping me develop a skill? Am I learning anything new from this? Is this uh, introducing me to new people? Is it broadening my horizons in some way? So let's shift a little bit and talk a little bit about time management and the to-do list, mm -hmm. something that I personally struggle a lot with and have talked to a lot of patients about. So it can be something that, you know, relieves anxiety by writing things down so you don't forget them. You're very organized. It's not a bad thing in any way. However, certainly over the years, I have realized actually having the to-do list increases my anxiety. It makes me pay more attention to the short term and it makes me less big picture. So one of the things to think about are things that I have said to myself many, many, many times. And are you getting stuck in these top thoughts too, such as, you know, I'll get to that reading or that exercise when I'm done. Just, you know, just, just need to get one more thing done. And then what happens? I think you probably know by the time night rolls around, you don't actually have time for that. Or you say something to yourself like, I'll just do this one more thing. It'll only take a minute. And then you lose yourself in time. So this is definitely something I have struggled with. And, and I talk to a lot of my patients about. So don't think that, you know, just because us therapists out there have, have the, the education, we certainly, <laughs> you know, don't always practice what we preach. Well, I will say that I did get rid of my to-do. Well, first of all, I'm a big list maker and it's always helped me in a lot of ways because I just want to track things and my memory isn't so great. So I like to keep track of things by putting them on a list. So I did at one point say, let me just experiment and try to give up a list and just see how I feel. Okay, so I will say that I did feel better. And I felt like I didn't have all this kind of hanging over me. But there were things that got lost in the shuffle. And that made me feel terrible because some things were really important and related to my children. So I, I, I think there's a balance to be found here. And I just want to highlight one really interesting book that I read years ago. My 
dear Aunt Bren gave me this book about Mary Kay. It was her autobiography and how she built this, you know, amazing business, this amazing cosmetic business. And she was a big list maker, but she had the discipline to say, I'm only going to put six things on my list every day. And I'm going to focus on getting those things done. And she understood that that was kind of her sweet spot. And maybe that's not the sweet spot for everyone, but that was for her. It didn't make her feel overwhelmed, but it was enough to where she she really could move herself forward. And clearly she did. I mean, she built an amazing business and she built that business in her 60s. Oh, just a random aside, but I love that story because it's like, it's never too late. It's never too late. Um, so anyway, I think it's, you know, it's just really important to be aware of if that massive list is weighing you down. And, you know, I think lists can keep us, like you said, focused on the short term and getting that rush of accomplishing things and, and feeling productive. But it's so important to be strategic with a list. And is this is this furthering our long term goals? Right. So I love this example. I just want to add something that a supervisor once told me back in the day when I was in graduate school, everyone listens to tapes of your therapy. And so the supervisor said to me, Corey, you have way too many items on your agenda. At the beginning of session, I would say like, these are the things I want to talk about. What are the things you want to talk about to the patient? And I'd have like, you know, seven things in an hour to accomplish with a patient. And the supervisor said to me, you should only have one or two. And it kind of was a philosophy of my life, which is, it's not only that if you have so many things on the to-do list, it creates a lot of anxiety and you never get to the things that are restorative, but it's also an unfair expectation for yourself. So at the end of the day, you think, wow, I didn't get those six or seven things done. But what you don't say is, oh, wow, you know, I got three things done. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, and I'll get to those three other things tomorrow. No, no, no. That is not what our minds say. Our mind says, oh my gosh, you know, I didn't get that stuff done. So thinking, Mary Kay is very, she's got a lot on that agenda, six things. I, I really would say like, try to accomplish two things a day that you need to get done, those two to-do list items. And then you can give yourself praise for doing those. If you're able to do more, amazing. But in your mind, tell yourself that you're only gonna do one or two. And then I would say, make sure you add one or two things, maybe just one that is pleasurable and restorative. And at the end of the week, maybe have one bigger thing to look forward to. But just going back to this idea of how much we love to feel productive, especially the moms out there, we're getting it done. It's a rewarding feeling. It's reinforced by praise. Um, we're also comparing ourselves to other people and feel like, okay, phew, I'm not falling behind. I've got it together. Um, but we have to think about what costs, right? And sleep is a big one for sure. We're so busy getting things done during the day that it's overstimulating us. And that's having a physical effect in terms of, you know, hormones and neurotransmitters in our bodies that make it hard to fall asleep and to stay asleep. And we also have to think about the cost of our relationships, like especially on the home front, if we're feeling angry, which a lot of us are, that we're having to do more than a partner then it's impacting that relationship. And, you know, I think this is a real problem that a lot of people struggle with, but it's, you know, we talked about this before. It's about being brave and assertive and asking for help and sitting with the guilt or the worry that you might be upsetting the partner. And instead of just taking it all on and just doing it on automatic pilot. So one last thing to mention before we recap. If you spend the whole day doing so much for other people, you might wind up exhausted and stressed, which makes you more susceptible to wanting something to make you feel better at the end of the day. And so unfortunately, this can really set you up for wanting to eat excessively because it's pleasurable and it feels good and it's easy or drinking excessively. And also just one quick point on that. It's not, sometimes you can have the mindset of, 
not only is it making you feel better, but you're rewarding yourself. Yeah, I deserve this. I deserve so much. Right, right. So I, you know, I'm going to have this. And I did so much for every ice cream. Sorry, I didn't yeah. to interrupt you. I did so much for everyone else today, right? And so really thinking about doing more for yourself during the day reduces that reward for yourself later on that may not be a healthy reward. Okay, so to recap our episode today on time management, the key is really to start small, notice daily where you're putting your time, think about what you're doing on automatic pilot, ask yourself when you're doing something, is this helpful or hurtful in the long run if I do this right now? If I do this right now, what, what might I not be able to do later in the day? And we have to study our list, right? Like look at our list very, very closely if you're a, if you're a to-do list maker and look at those specific items and think about does it align with our values? Does our list include time for ourselves? Are there things on this list that can be delegated? Because delegating is a skill, right? It's a skill that we can all develop. And I'm terrible at it, but I'm working on it. And I would just like to say, this is something that's so important at work and at home, home. right? What can your roommate do? What can your partner do? What can your children do? And that's something else to look at when you look at the list. Is there an imbalance here? Is there an imbalance at home? Is there an imbalance at work? And, and really thinking, strategically about how can we how can we balance out those imbalances so i hope you enjoyed this episode we hope you enjoyed this episode um follow us on instagram check out our website typectoolbox.com like us on itunes and please please email us with any stories comments feedback anything you want to share it's typectoolbox at gmail.com and stay tuned for our next episode thank you for listening today this podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. It's not meant to be a substitute for mental health treatment. If you're having a mental health emergency, please dial 911. If you're looking for mental health treatment, please visit the National Alliance on Mental Illness website at NAMI, which is N-A-M-I dot org.